4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. We're going to watch the A's game every day now just to see what the crowd looks like. Yeah, you kind of want to. Uh, looks like less than 5,000 again. Last night was less than 4,000. I'm being generous by saying less than 5,000. Orioles and A's had to start early today because of weather. So there is no one there right now. The game is scoreless between uh, – yeah, the A's have been okay so far. I still think these are two of the worst teams in baseball. Have you been You've been betting baseball? Uh, no, I'm more of a – I like a sample size first uh, before I get into it. Well, Because part of my handicapping thing too is like using those ERA and FIP deltas and like, you know – trying to find on some guys who are either overvalued or undervalued. So I'd like a few starts first. I am a sucker early in the season to try to play, you know, 180, 200, yeah. 220, because I think some pitchers are overvalued and people overreact to teams being bad. The Reds suck. They're down 6 nothing again today. Are They're they really? plus 180, plus 190, 200 every day. A lot of, a lot of handicappers will tell you that uh, they're actually not that bad. The implied probability is too high. And yet. Well, right. I mean, you, you can't play on them right now. Mackenzie Gore went out there, I think, as a minus 210 favorite. Yeah. Like, no right. experience, basically. 210? Well, easy win. It's 6 nothing right now, end of eight. I mean, I think your Yankees uh, yesterday were a pretty good example of that. Uh, I, you know, Garrett Cole, I think, is one of those pitchers that's a little overvalued, and he plays on an overvalued team. Uh, your team, one through six, can't really hit right now at this point. Uh, and then Garrett Cole can't find the strike zone, yet they're laying pretty big prices. But still, their bullpen's so freaking good that yesterday they still get out of it, uh, a uh, sticky situation. <laughs> So I'm not going along with the fake news, right? Because I hate that. There are lots of good media people out there who are sourced, who do their work, who do their homework. But as I've been telling people, John, for the last couple of months, since the offseason started in the NFL, be careful who you read as sources. Because a lot of news feeds, like, I don't know, I have some kind of Google feed. And some of the sources on here are just, it's absurd. And, you know, as we pointed out yesterday, um, Back to March 14th, multiple kind of Raiders, blogger, media people. Back to March 14th, there was about a week of seven of them saying every day, Stephon Gilmore to the Raiders. It's almost done. It's almost done. It's almost done. They have no sources. They're not connected. It's not accurate. And this one cracked me up today. This was on my Google News feed. Can I? Uh, can Chargers I? named as most logical trade destination for Debo Samuel. I'm like, <laughs> by who? Chargers and Debo Samuel. Now, if you haven't heard, Debo's unhappy. He's demanded a trade. Why would the Chargers? What? Because their quarterback doesn't make a lot of money. Why would the Chargers? I mean, could could anyone use Debo Samuel? Of course, but they have Keenan Allen. They re-upped Mike Williams. Like, they're not a logical landing spot for Debo Samuel. That's absurd. So a couple things. First off, um, <laughs> Stefan Gilmore looks pretty good in Colts blue, huh? Yeah. Uh, second, um, to, when you click on the article, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part about it. First of all, it's a fan-sided thing, which is, right. again, you know, fans, if they, they want to write, it's cool. It's fine. Which links to another fan-sided yeah. block, yeah. which is it the article goes, that it names says, it. Randy Gersey of NFL Spin Zone ranked the Chargers as the most logical trade destination. Wait, <laughs> that's a source? Is someone's personal rankings? Right. Come on now. No, I don't think they would be at the uh, the Chargers at the top of the list. I, like, I mean, they're they're kind of up there in terms of cap space that they have available. According to uh, according to Over the Cap, they got about like 
Uh, do they want to invest? Because Debo's up for a deal. He needs to get paid, right? Okay, well, one, 18.3, unless they make significant cuts, is not going to get it done. Right. Unless it's a backloaded deal that Debo Samuel's signing. I assume that he's getting north of $20 million a year. And listen, you want to have weapons for Justin Herbert? They have them. They have them. Right. They have other needs, and they have, you know, especially needs on defense. I think you're going to see that in the first round with their pick at what, number 17. Now, Rap Sheet put out a list of teams that could be interested in Debo Samuel. Um, I also think he's wrong, but I understand where he's coming from. Okay. He lists the Jets. Well, they were in on Tyreek Hill. The Lions, they need they need any help. They, they need get everything, it. yeah. He says the Packers and the Chiefs, I do not buy it with either team. I, I, I'll buy it a little more with the Packers because they're more a team of now. Mm-hmm. But I – tell me I'm wrong in this. I truly believe the Chiefs – made the decision on Tyreek Hill that a receiver is just not worth that much money. We're paying a guy, you know, as it escalates, somewhere between 35 and $50 million. He can survive with the 15th to 40th best wide receivers. That's his job. He's got to elevate them. And in the Hill Hall, they got all these picks back. They need players. Mm-hmm. They, they need some cost certainty. Maybe I'll be shocked. And one of them will trade, you know, multiple picks that they just picked up and get D. Bill Samuel. Um, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it with the Packers and the Chiefs. I think they're going to – they trust their draft process, and I think they're going to use all their picks. Well, again, though, with the Packers, like I just don't know how that works with their cap space. And, again, and, like, and I always say, too, with this, because I'm nowhere near a cap expert, if a team wants it, I, I always assume they can get it done, right, because of the cap numbers and however you can finagle things and money and whatnot. But I think, like – it just makes sense because you can see Debo Samuel in the same role as Tyreek Hill, right? They used him a lot. Uh, they use him out of the backfield. I don't think they would use him as a ring back as much, just more of those weird sets where they put it back out there and then he sprints out into the flat and does what, all that good stuff. So it makes sense just because it's just logical. You can place that in your brain. But, I mean, look, I, I would say, and I know I'm a fan of the team, but I think the Colts, they're up there in terms of cap space available. They have a lot. They are in desperate need of a wide receiver. They're going to be targeting it in the later rounds in the draft because they need one as well. They don't know how much capital they have because they've been trading a lot, but that that is a team that is kind of in that window of the now, has been spending money, and they, they look like it, right? They got Gilmore. They got Ryan. That would be a team that makes a lot of sense too. I think Debo is awesome. I don't think the Niners are going to move him. I think they're going to work this out. You know, they'll stroke his ego and figure it out. Um, and for the Packers, but especially the Chiefs, uh, if you have a chance to – if you trust your personnel people, and I think the Chiefs have really good personnel people, if you trust your personnel people, then for them, picking up a couple of receivers making between one and three million dollars, you know, for the next three or four years is more attractive to me than paying Debo Samuel twenty-two, twenty-three million dollars. And the and the other factor, Debo even brought it up himself. What have the Niners done to his long-term future at wide receiver by using him so much at running back? Mm-hmm. Well, and his physical health, his physical health is a big part of that too. And using him that much, I would say this too. I'm, I think in terms of wide receiver, the, the pendulum has started to swing in their direction. In that, if you look like in the draft, for example, um, what Justin Jefferson has done for the Minnesota Vikings, what uh, of course Jamar Chase did for the Cincinnati Bengals. If you're a team out there, like I'm kind of surprised the Dolphins invested as much in getting Tyree Kill. Wide receivers almost every year seem to get better and better, and these classes get deeper and deeper, and you could find a guy in the NFL draft as opposed to shipping off assets and paying a guy $25 million a year. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Has Paul ever been first team all Did NBA? Bob Cousy ever shoot over 40% from the field? Well, in his we career? understand that. Did You're he right. ever shoot, oh, did no, he ever shoot over not. 40%? Probably 39, 40%. Different kind not of game. Once. I, it's not fair. once. That's fair. You also had 29 assists in an NBA game. Oh, well, you know, he was being guarded hey, hey. by plumbers and firemen. Oh, come on. That's that is true. That is true. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You know, you don't hear that enough. No disrespect to Bob Cousy, but you don't hear that enough where you get I, I love Mad Dog, but you get an old school guy in his 60s, and he's talking to a guy who just retired from the NBA. A good one, too, by the way. J.J. Raddick would have averaged 50 points a game if he played in the 50s. There'd be statues of him. Yes. There'd be statues of Gary Harris and, and if he for, played in the 50s and 60s. For Mad Dog not to know how bad Bob Cousy was shooting the ball. Oh, because we didn't play it in that clip. He hits he hits Mad Dog with a perfect line, which he goes, can he shoot 40% in a season? He goes, I, you got me there. You got me there. Yeah. Like, how he just locked up. There was not, there was no, there was no fighting it. And the root of that whole discussion was uh, Mad Dog, who's been brought in, you know, longtime Sirius XM guy and New York guy. He's been brought in for one day a week with Stephen A. He should not be talking NBA. Um, So bad. But he was actually saying that Chris Paul is not a top five point guard of all time, but that Bob Cousy is. And, you know, the other thing, those are hard discussions because you got three guys. You know, Stephen A is yelling, you're right. Um, it's hard to get a word in edgewise. It's hard to you, like just get it to slow down for a couple of seconds to explain your case. You know, when when J.J. Reddick says he's playing against firemen and plumbers, well, those were the players of the time, and they weren't firemen and plumbers. They, they, they were milkmen. Were, they were mailmen no, they, as well. Those were the best players of the time, and people, you know, in general weren't as big and strong, and they weren't as – they just weren't. You know, the game has evolved. 65 years ago, the guys who played could not play in the NBA today. A handful could. A handful. Bob Cousy would, I think, would have a very tough time. You got to dribble with your left hand. <laughs> I was going to say, you like, uh, you uh, whatever. You know my stance on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's a, it's a topic that annoys me to no end. And like you said, I like Mad Dog Russo, but uh, he's a little out of his depth. But every reference is like, you know, this. I think he, Bob Cousy. He had a reference like the '79 Sonics the other day. Or something ridiculous. Jack Sigma. <laughs> right. I mean, no insult to this guy, but I, I don't know if Caleb Heron could play, you know, college football now. Could he? Caleb's with us. Hey, Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I 1,000% could, Steve. I think yes. it'd be easy. The game uh, the game well, has changed so much. Just throw it out there to the receivers. Let them do the work. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, look at him. Here he goes. Yeah. <laughs> is it just, is it just bubble screens and, uh, like, three-yard yeah. slants? Like, you'd be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Oklahoma right. model. Bubble screens, you, yeah. shallow screens. Just just, just get it to the athletes. It's easy. Right? No it's thinking easy. involved. Yeah, I think no you're huddle, doing your no, – signal, Hand signals. Like, no, we don't call plays anymore. Just, sure. just throw it where the coach tells you to throw it, and you'll be fine. I think you're doing your impression of uh, Chuck and Shaq there. <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, I, I think uh, overcomplicating things, uh, paralysis by analysis, I think is is the the name of the game. But no, I I think I could, and I think I could because I think the game threw more now than I did back then. I think okay. I understand football as 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 a team sport more, and I value the the, the above the shoulder part of football. So I think I'd make it a lot easier on myself with that way especially at quarterback you just you know if you're smart you can play in this game as tom brady has demonstrated as you know a nearly 50 year old man essentially at this point but like he's able to still play at a high level so if you your head your head game's good then you should be good to play in 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 football i think i will take this one step further because we're assuming that we're talking about caleb if he was in college now i think caleb today could play in college football today 
Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, Today, age. like, like, yeah, like, right yeah. now at my age, absolutely. Right I think I'm, I'm stronger. I'm bigger than you know. I, the, one of my biggest knocks when I was playing in college was that I was too skinny. So that's not a problem anymore. Whether it was on purpose or not, that's not for, for me, me yeah. to know and you to find out. But I, I'm definitely more physically capable of taking a beating. I can still throw. I know this from actual tests. Like I, I can still throw a good ball. I mean, I could put on a Colin Kaepernick workout right now and say I'm, I'm ready to play again um in my in my head i guess but yeah i oh for sure in my body now with my mind i could play for sure i'd be a heisman candidate let's go to desert breeze i'll run some routes for you (laughs) you're an offensive lineman you're running routes Uh, have you seen no you know what i have you seen this kid jack poe out of mercer have you seen the footage on him he is 6'1", 300 pounds, and Caleb, he, said, he has a sub-540. He benched it like 34 times. Like, it's incredible watching him move. Like, that, that's my goal for my children. I want them all to be Jack Pose, like 6'1", 300-pound dudes who can run sub-540. <laughs> that's the dream, like, offensive lineman, defensive lineman right there. Like, just, just a massive human being that can move and, yeah. and move people out of the way. Yeah, why not? It'll be me. I'll be, I'll be flying around out there for Caleb. So, Caleb, we just had a real weird week pass where we thought Doug Brumfield was gone. And by the way, this is always why I ask the coach, uh, and I asked him about Steve Jenkins. I, I actually didn't bother to ask him on Brumfield, but I always ask uh, one of the most high-profile guys uh, who are going into the transfer portal, like, is there a chance for them to come back? Uh, I didn't ask this time, but apparently, yes, there was a chance because Doug Brumfield, one of the UNLV quarterbacks, thought, thought he was gone, and uh, he's pulled his name out of the portal. Yeah, and it, it, it looks weird the way, you know, he recommitted to UNLV. That's the way it says it on, on the websites and stuff. But, I mean, it's it, it was a wacky week. And I, this is the first time we've seen it, in, in my knowledge, uh, really for UNLV, especially with such a high-profile guy entering and then exiting the transfer portal just to land back at UNLV. Um, and, and, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say caught people by surprise. I think we talked about it before that the timing of Doug entering the portal was a bit of a surprise. It being late in the game, you know, most teams across the country are already finished with spring ball um, and kind of have their fall roster kind of set and ready to go um, for next year. So, I mean, for his personal sake, it was a bit strange. But then to, to land back at UNLV, you have to wonder about that awkward kind of situation that it may present now. You know, you, you remember what happened with Jaden Daniels in ASU when he entered the transfer portal and eventually left, how his teammates kind of reacted to that and there was kind of some some animosity about it you know trashing his name as he exited the door um if there was any sort of feeling of that from UNLV players who were in the locker room watching Doug into the transfer portal and now here he has to come back in and say hey guys I'm I'm coming back I'm ready to try again um not only do you miss reps in practice not only do you use that initial confidence but now you kind of have to set yourself back and say well now I got to build the team's trust again um, so what does that do to a locker room? We don't know. It's one of the, again, un- unintended side effects of the transfer portal, the freedom that we all appreciate that the athletes have now. But now you have to deal with some of the fallout like this, where you test the water and it was colder than you thought. And now you in- end up back in the pool and, and the grass wasn't as green on the other side like you thought it'd be. And here you are. Now you're back in a situation where you're competing again for the starting quarterback job. And your competition now has not only a few more reps on you, but now has the trust and faith of the locker room that he's in it and maybe you're not all the way in it. So uh, you have to deal with those hurdles. And unfortunately, UNLV really can't afford to be in these kind of predicaments with their uh, with their own issues, right? Like they're trying to a team that's trying to figure out how to win to begin with. These extra issues added on the side in the offseason that are distracting from improvement 
are not good for any locker room, and uh, let alone UNLV's. Can, could I make the argument, though, that with the transfer portal becoming so common that maybe relationship-wise it doesn't have the effect that it would in the past? You could definitely make that argument, but uh, that argument, I think, inherently says that the value of team play doesn't really have the same weight. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if that's true, then that would say that the chemistry of a team doesn't really matter. And we know that football is the ultimate team sport. That thing hasn't changed. Um, and chemistry plays a part. And, and, and understanding your role and your defined role on a team within a system and having chemistry on that team are important things when it comes to winning down the stretch and, and winning close games. Not having the camaraderie or the brotherhood built in would, yeah, you could say that it's not as important. People don't care as much as you're going out and getting yours. But if there's a bunch of individually minded players that just come together to make a team, we've seen and it's been demonstrated that that does not necessarily add up to any talented players on a roster who are just out to get theirs with their egos or whatever, uh, uh, whatever aspirations they have individually that trump the team goal. That doesn't equal winning in football. So uh, if, if that is the consistency in the locker room that we don't really care if you tried to transfer as long as you're here now, it, it'll be fine. We, we don't hold those things against you then you're taking away from the chemistry of the team. And I think, in essence, you're taking away from the overall product of that team that that team's able to output. So both can be true. I, I guess it can be true that they really don't care. They're not going to hold it against them. But then I think you inherently say that the team chemistry automatically takes a hit if that's the case in the locker room. Caleb Herring, Football Insider, here on a Wednesday. Call me crazy if you want. I still think Brumfield can win the job. I still think he can be the starting quarterback. Tell me where he needs to make the biggest gains in terms of you know kind of moving ahead because i truly believe this is a three-man race like an even three-man race for the starting gig yeah i think the first thing for doug is is definitely going to be availability um and we saw that when he was available when he was a threat on the field and he was healthy he was a dynamic threat both running the ball and with some of the throws he was able to make from the pocket um so he he definitely needs to stay available and with that goes putting on size um, paying attention to his body, doing the things he needs to do in the offseason to make the investments and living the right lifestyle outside of you know practice and in between the lines to make sure his body's in peak condition. Um, so his availability, I think, is one of the biggest question marks for obvious reason. Um, then his decision making and not so much um, as far as trying to fit balls into tight windows. We, he's shown that he can do that. And we, we've seen a small sample size, but I think a, a, enough to have confidence in his arm talent to be able to make all the throws on the field that, he, that are necessary. Um, but I, in terms of protecting themselves on the field and when to pull it down and run it, when to get extra yards, when to scamper out of bounds, those things that every quarterback that has the athleticism of a Doug Brumfield or, you know, other athletic quarterbacks, the growing pains you have to go through and understanding where you can be most effective with your legs and when it's a good time to just take a slide and, and minimize the damage when you can. I think that's going to be a, a big part of, of his, I guess, gaining an edge in the quarterback competition, because like you said, I think it is all things considered, an even race right now. With, with what Cam Fred was able to do, with Harrison Bailey's potential coming in, I think there is a, a, it's, it's pretty safe to say that it's an even race. And based on how Coach Arroyo has handled quarterback races in the past, everybody's got a fair shake at it. Like, you know, yeah. if you're on the roster and you show me what I want to see, you got a chance to start on game one. So, um, But I think those things, the availability and the decision-making of Doug Brumfield, I think will separate him if he's able to tighten those things up through the offseason. You mentioned putting on size, and Brumfield looks like he's still about 210, 215. I think he's pushing 6'6". Um, but you also mentioned, you know, as a young guy, you were skinny. Um, 
I mean, I'll just be, you know, straight up about it. Did you not put in the work or it just wasn't, you know, at that age, you just couldn't put on weight? Because I wonder, maybe Brumfield's a guy who doesn't fill out until he's 30. By the way, I will throw in Cam Friel. I uh, saw him yesterday, and he looks like uh, Malachi Salou's gone, one of the linebackers. He's like that big. He's like 230 pounds. Like, he has put on a healthy muscle. I just I, I wonder if it's in the cards for Brumfield or if his build just won't allow it right now. Yeah, for me personally, it was definitely, I think, a genetic thing. My metabolism wouldn't let me put on weight. I, I'm pretty sure there was more I could have done in the weight room, and, and obviously I could have had more protein in my diet or whatever, all the things now that we know with sports science and nutrition. Um, but back in my day, that, that wasn't such a, a highly – it was like eat a sandwich and, and get in the weight room. But, um, no, the metabolism thing was definitely a factor. It was a struggle, and I heard it my whole life uh, as far as putting on weight um, and trying to bulk up a little bit. But I think – in that is not necessarily the weight that you say as far as pounds like you say doug's probably like 210 and that's 215 being generous but it's also about muscle definition and flexibility um and understanding how your gait is when you're running i've heard coach arroyo mention it with doug specifically that he runs high and those are things that you can do at your weight you know without putting on extra pounds to protect yourself just change your style of running and you've heard people do it you know i thinking about nba steph curry he, he changed the way he runs because he had bad ankles. And, that, and so his whole style of running now is different to adjust and compensate for weaker ankles and to, for, for health reasons. It's the same thing as a quarterback. You don't want to run with a high gait um, and running up tall. You want to get low and protect yourself. You want you want to do things like flexibility exercises in your major joints, especially your shoulders and your knees, to make sure that you're flexible enough to withstand hits in the pocket. And then there's the part of it that I learned as a, a light guy, because I, I fortunately didn't suffer a lot of injuries because I learned this early on was the less I fought, the less I resisted these nasty hits, the better off I was as far as getting injured. And some of the hits that I took just looked gruesome because I completely surrendered to it. Like I, I allowed myself to take the hit on, and it's when you usually resist and plant a foot in to try to stay up and fight for extra yardage that you find yourself tweaking stuff. So those are things you can do if the, the weight gain is a struggle to actually help yourself stay healthy. And it all starts with a, a conscious decision on the part of the athlete as well as those athletic trainers and staff around them to make sure the body maintenance is being done during the offseason and then also taking care of yourself during the season to make sure you're maximizing your body's potential at whatever weight you're at. So there's, there's definitely a concerted effort that Doug has to make as well as those around him have to make as far as eating, diet, workout routine, stretching, flexibility, all that stuff to make sure that he can stay healthy and available for the Rebels. What do you think the spring game is going to be like? I don't think it's going to be a traditional game. Um, how important for you is the spring game? I think it's 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 tough to say how important because there's still the competition element of it, um, especially at key position like quarterback. Um, so um, where these reps would probably reveal more if the, that situation was settled. I think uh, this is really just a showcase of where the team has come and how they practice together. I think there's a lot of value to, to, to get from watching a, a team function and practice appropriately, whether that's the tempo of the practice, understanding how to stay healthy in a practice. You don't want to see a lot of bodies falling around during live drills and you want it to be a clean practice and the execution to be there. Not a lot of fussing from the coaches so that you get the sense that maybe the teams grasp the concepts. I mean, I know it's, it was a, something early on in spring ball when Harrison Bailey said that this is probably the most complicated offense that he's ever been around. Um, you want to see the, a, a minimal amount of, of mental errors made. And that's probably the most you can get from a spring showcase, especially because I think Coach Roy and his staff are pretty are going to be cautious about exactly what they put out just based on the way that they've handled you know access to the players and access to their program so far i think they're going to be cautious with what they put out and what they put on tape or what they show 
the community as far as X's and O's on the field. So you can really get a sense of how the teams progress and really grasp the concepts. But outside of that, you you likely, especially at the end of spring ball, it's kind of been a rough time, you know, this for, from winter workouts to now. Uh, the bodies are kind of worn down, kind of slowed down. You won't see exactly how much juice these guys have, but you'll see the team coming together in a way around the concepts that have been installed this spring that should be at least give you some sense of like, hey, they know what they're doing. They're going to have a good offseason. They're going to springboard into the summer and come back in the fall with a crisp sort of mentality about getting ready for the season. So I, I'm not too keen on learning much about what we're going to see as far as the finished product with all the competition around it. But I am excited to see how the team gelled during the spring, especially with so many key additions through the transfer portal, how they're fitting in and, and how the roster's coming together and, and building up that chemistry. You good to go? You're going to be there on Saturday? You healthy? You know what? I'm I'm still fighting to, to clear work? up the final things. Yeah. So I, 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 the doctor, you know, they have their orders, they have their mandates. If you, what you're referencing, I, I came down with COVID, um, so I, I'm still clearing some things up. Um, I feel great. I feel better, but you know, likely being around a large group of people is probably not the most responsible thing to do. Um, so I'm, well, I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to get out there if I can. Caleb, thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Good there talk to you, man. Caleb Herring. Feel better. Game's out of Legion. There'll be plenty of room. I'll be there. There'll be plenty of room. Uh, you can enter on the east side of the stadium. It's free, 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 free parking. Open to the public. Doors open at 4 o'clock. It's this Saturday at Allegiant. UNLV football spring showcase. Get out there. I'm sure they'd love to support. And, uh, you know, you don't get to watch them practice. You, you're going to see a stronger team. The O-line looks good. It's deeper. You a lot of new receivers, uh, more rangy at receiver. They've made massive gains, I think with the defensive backs, and they're going to have some more defensive backs coming in out of the transfer portal. So it's a controlled scrimmage. It's going to go for about 90 minutes. Starts at 5 o'clock this weekend, Saturday, April 23rd, UNLV Spring Showcase. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I've been hearing y'all talking back and forth. Are you a little nervous right now? Because Memphis right now is about what? The last time they had a lead, I've seen people leaving five minutes early. I don't know. And the game wasn't even over yet. And them young people say, that's all cap. That's all cap. He lying. They get a little lead. Now they want to talk. Half time to be like, uh-oh, we scoring now. We ain't dug in no smoke. You know what this means? You got to catch up to our one. You're one behind. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Who was that? Who was John back and forth? Uh, that would be the fathers of John Morant and Carl Anthony Towns. No, actually, no, I'm sorry. Did I miss that? No, it is Carl Anthony. No, it's Anthony Edwards. Sorry. Sorry. Messed that up. Anthony Edwards. No, I think it is. Cat. Oh, it is Carl Anthony Towns? It, 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 it is. Okay. It is, it is Cat. I'm all over it, the place. It is the original Cat and John Morant's dad. Oh, you're right. Yeah, John Moran, Arthur, hey, Carl, that's my bad. Sorry. I got so excited about it. Carl Towns, big fella now. Dad is a big fella. I was going to say, dad's, dad's pretty big. I can't tell how tall both of them are, like when I watch the shots and everything like that. Um, so Carl Anthony, sorry, Carl Towns is 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. Okay. And the only reason I know that, and John Moran's dad's got to be pushing 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, the only reason I know that is that, believe it or not, Carl Towns, the dad, played at Monmouth University, which used really? to be Monmouth College, and was actually, at the time, I think he was top three in the country in rebounding, like averaged like 12 and a half rebounds a game. He was actually a really it's good six college five? Yeah. Wow. He was a really good college player. Um, now, Monmouth wasn't at that time in the MAC, and they're moving on to, I think, the CAA. Which, by the way, did you – I forgot to put it in the rundown. Did you see Rick Patino, who's at Iona? He's been there two years. He didn't make the tournament this last year, and he's like, we got to go to the A-10. 
that conference has it going on. We need to go to a multiple bid conference. Like, bruh, who are you? You're, you're here for two years. You're going to be here for like two more. The school has this long tradition in the MAC. Like, maybe they're not ready to go to the next level up in the Atlantic 10. Like, the basketball program doesn't control the entire school. Oh, you want to go to the A10? Right. How about this? First of all, you got to win your conference tournament. And secondly, if you don't, I know they, I think they have a home and home coming up in New Mexico. Like, that should literally be the worst non con game. Yeah. Of course. I mean, if, if you're that high profile and you're at Iona and you want to make sure that you don't get screwed because the conference isn't great. Schedule some games. Then you have to play Murderer's Row, and they're all on the road. Go Stephen Just F. Play, Austin route, right? Play fives. <laughs> all on the road. <laughs> Your first eight, ten games on the road, all Power 5 non-conference opponents. Speaking of college basketball, kind of shocking. I don't know what is behind the story. I'm sure there's more to the story than simply Jay Wright is retiring, but the Villanova coach – is walking away from Nova after 21 years. So he's not fat, though. No, he's not old either. No, he's only 60. I thought he was older than that. So maybe he needs a break. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe the NBA is calling. Or maybe, you know, like I, I said, maybe he just wants a couple of year break. No, sometimes people are, people are wiredly dif- are wired differently. You know, maybe he feels he's yeah. achieved a lot. And he's like, look, man, I'm 160. Yes. I want to go chill. I've made money. I don't want to do anything. You know, I, I I look at a guy like Patino, who's what what is he seventy four? Yeah. I mean, you, there are there are a lot. I mean, Jim Beheim, dude, enjoy the rest of the time you have. He's like seventy seven years old. That's like I get it. Like sometimes it's a compliment to be like a basketball lifer or football, like whatever it is. But like at some point, don't you kind of look around? And you're like, all right, like I got so many on this planet. Like let's let's go do something else for a, for a, the last couple of years or something. How much longer are Saban and Belichick going to do it? Yeah, both going to do it till they're like seventy five. I mean, like, look, 75 because of health, you know, because of modern medicine is younger and younger each time. But like at the same time, I'm just speaking from personal experience, right? Like if I, if I become successful at something and I become a multimillionaire. You're already thinking about it. You're like, I'm not working past 65. If I, if I'm good enough, I'm out at like 55. Like, come on. There's plenty of things for me to do. I'm with you. (laughs) I'm with you. Except I'm not because 55 is pretty close. (laughs) I've thought about it. like to get the hell out of here, but uh, yeah, Bayheim and Patino, and so maybe that's what Jay Wright's doing. Maybe he's just retiring. He's sixty years old, and hey, you know what? I got only so much time left. I got a lot of money. Does he have grandkids? I mean, that's always like a thing for you know guys that sure. are older who want to spend time with the grandkids more. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to look into it. We still have a scoreless game in front of uh, hundreds with Baltimore and the A's. Apparently, we're now going to track the A's. Every single day to see how pathetic the home crowd gets. Uh, we're going to have more on the A's. And I wanted to ask John what you think the A's management game is. Like, what are they actually trying to accomplish? But on the way back, we're actually going to go down to L.A. Uh, Adam Candy's not in as a company member this week, but he is at a uh, gaming conference. So we'll check in with Candy, see what's going on there. And latest breaking news with uh, looks like is Charlie Blackman the first MLB player to have an individual deal with a gaming company. Kind of interesting. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. NBA update. 
Brooklyn up 14, make that 11, in Boston, 32-21. 32! With 30 seconds left in the first quarter. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Let's go down to L.A. Candy, Adam Candy, a member of the company, out this week in Los Angeles. What's up, Candy? John Von Tobel is here. Those are the most exciting words you could have said. I don't even want to deal with you, Cofield. <laughs> you know what, John? Take it away. These are mostly your topics. Let's go. Uh, okay, first off, I do want to state that Kyrie Irving, because uh, Sunset did hit, actually broke fast during the game. There's footage of him leaving the sideline, going back to get some fruit and coming back. Uh, what he's been doing is actually incredible in terms of fasting and still playing in NBA games. Anyway, uh, all right, Adam, I got a question for you. So Charlie Blackman gets a deal with a sports book. Uh, apparently, it is Maxim Bet. Um, first off, yeah, Maxim. What is like, that? Maxim's top 100, like hot 100, like the. Wait, fashion. they have a sports book? What is this, Candy? Yeah, well, tell them first off, explain this. Well, I can explain it. I just don't know if it's going to make any sense when I do. Um, yes, Maxim bet is a thing. Is it a major thing? Is it a big thing? No, not really. Um, they haven't made any sort of impact. They're in Colorado trying to get some uh, some market share and some sports betters. And we talked to them. We're like, hey, so what's your what's your angle here? Like we're gonna do experiences. We're gonna do sports betting experiences. They held a big uh, party down at the Super Bowl and et cetera, et cetera. I don't really get what the angle is here, but now Charlie Blackman has become the first active Major League Baseball player to sign a sports book deal. Not the first active athlete because Connor McDavid signed one uh, up in Canada from the NHL. But yeah, uh, interesting strategy, which honestly doesn't really fit in with anything else that they're doing. So that sounds about right. Well, also, what stuck out to me about this was Blackman is uh, reportedly not allowed to actually promote betting on Major League Baseball. He's allowed to promote uh, other things in the sports book itself, Candy. Uh, but, I mean, I guess I think I kind of know the answer to the question, but does Major League Baseball think we're stupid? Like, what, what are we doing here? It's kind of like if uh, Superbook had someone saying, all right, listen, we're going to have you endorse the sports book. No, well, not really the sports book, just the hot dogs. Like, come, to, come down there and tell everybody about how great the hot dogs are. Uh, look, man, I don't really even get the point. Like, why are we pretending there are guardrails on any of this stuff anymore anyway? That's not the way this is. The partnerships are everywhere. Major League Baseball has gaming partners. It, it's not weird anymore. Like, don't, don't make it weird by putting on that kind of restriction. It's not weird. We get it. Once the perception is there that you have a player endorsing a sports book, it doesn't matter what he's talking about betting on. It's a player with a sports book. I also just say, as a youngin, even though I'm 31 now, um, Pete Rose is kind of getting a raw deal now at this point. Is he not? Like, this is kind of getting ridiculous. To some degree, yeah, but I mean, the Pete Rose situation, look, man, the line, yes, the lines were clear, the lines are clear, and I know Pete's out there right now campaigning, saying, ah, I just came around at the wrong time. No, no, because I don't think anyone was ever going to be okay with an active Major League Baseball manager betting on his own team. It, it's never going to be a line that anyone's going to be okay crossing. Like, you know, that would be like, you know, if Calvin Ridley's situation had happened 20 years ago and Calvin Ridley were out here saying, you know what, I just got here at the wrong time. No, man, you're, you're an active player betting on your own team's games. All right, so we move on from there. We're going to stay in baseball, though. Uh, I know that uh, our buddy Sam Panionovich tweeted this out. This has been one of the storylines in the early part of the season. Uh, the Colorado Rockies have been performing pretty well early on. They always play pretty well at home, but they're also a really lowly team, Adam. Do you think this is something that we should actually stick to here and, and follow throughout the season, or is this just a result of an early schedule that's been kind of soft and home-heavy? 
Yeah, I mean, the schedule's been a little bit soft, but w- when it comes to the Rockies, no, I don't think we need to adjust the power rankings at all, because could the Rockies win 8 out of 12 at some other point during the season? Sure, and we wouldn't be shocked. It's just that they're doing it right now at the beginning of the year. You're right, they've only been on the road twice, but with Colorado, sometimes you would look at that and say, oh, so they're actually winning at home. So when I look at Colorado, what I start doing is digging into the pitching stats. And if you go to some of their advanced numbers, you'll see that right now the Colorado Rockies have the third lowest home run fly ball rate in the majors at 5.9%. If you think playing a course that that's going to keep up, you can't blame it on the humidor like you can everybody for everywhere else because they've had the humidor all along in Colorado. Uh, what you notice, though, is that their pitchers are doing a pretty good job of generating ground balls and they're also not walking a lot of batters. And again, they're also not striking out a lot of batters. So the evidence to me overall says the Rockies have some things working in their favor right now, especially in terms of that home run to fly ball rate that are going to even out eventually, and you'll see them right back where we expected toward the bottom of the NL West. Adam Candy helping us out with our eye on sports betting. You are in L.A. for the week. Tell people why you're down there. Uh, yeah, I'm coming to you live from an empty conference room at the Anaheim Convention Center from the National uh, Tribal Gaming Conference, and it's kind of been a fascinating couple of days listening to all the different sports books talk about their experiences, state regulators, et cetera, et cetera, and the big topic of discussion since we're here in California is what's going to happen with trying to bring sports betting to California, and like we talk about in Vegas all the time, is that the sort of thing that's actually going to affect sports books in Las Vegas. So you know, there's going to be at least one ballot measure here in California this year where we're going to get to vote on having in-person sports betting. There could be as many as three different initiatives on the ballot here this year, and it is going to be an expensive and nasty fight. There are going to be at least, according to what's been pledged publicly, $200 million spent on advertising and persuasion, and all of that in the end could come home to roost for Vegas because if you end up with sports betting apps widespread in California with a lot of folks who uh, normally would be making that trip to Vegas, yes, we've heard the demise of Vegas overstated many times when it comes to the era of legal sports betting in the U.S., California is a little bit of a different animal, though, just because of how reliant on the California market Vegas is. Adam Candy's with us. Uh, let's close on this one. We've had this discussion before, all of us, about the lag on TV when it comes to trying to bet games and the actual TV feed and how much time it's taking from live action to get to you. Um, do you think there's going to be any issue? I saw some people bringing it up already with Apple taking over Sunday ticket, could this become an issue? And how does it affect sports betting if we've got this massive lag from, you know, live to TV? I mean, it's it's one of the single biggest issues in the spread of sports betting. And it, this thing runs deep here, right? Because uh, we're talking about the fact that when we talk about data feeds and official data feeds and what happens when they get fed into sports books, I mean, you're, you're, looking at a lag of, what, two to three seconds uh, for the data to feed in, right? So the data is coming from the game. It's feeding in. It's, feed, it's uh, determining in-play lines, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's all well and good, but what happens when the TV feed is 45 to 60 seconds behind the game? Uh, that's a full cycle of the play clock. So it, it could be a major problem, and it's one of those things that doesn't really have an easy answer because – Streaming speeds are different everywhere, right? It depends on your internet connection. It depends on any number of things. So, yeah, it's one of those issues that's been talked about a whole lot that could potentially make this a lot harder down the line. 
Candy, appreciate a couple minutes. Enjoy the rest of the stay in Anaheim. All right. Thanks, John Von Tobel. Got it. Go to Disneyland. It's a great place. <laughs> there he is. Adam Candy, LegalSportsReport.com, part of the company. I've actually, uh, at this point, with the uh, the betting apps, mm-hmm. um, I actually, as I watch, especially football games, I'm also watching the app, and I'm like, all right, well, I kind of know what's coming up here. Oh, dude. Basketball, basketball is the same thing. It is, it is hard to get down in-game plays on basketball unless it's during a timeout uh, because the line changes so much. Now, last night I kept getting caught uh, in a trap where I wasn't getting a good number on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Eventually I did, which I regretted. I wish I hadn't gotten a good number. I lost that one. But it's pretty crazy, the lag of what we actually get to see on TV versus what's happening at the arenas and stadiums. Dave, so since I've gone to YouTube TV, uh, my my in-game betting has been exclusively during commercial breaks just because I know that I'm not going to get, like, messed up on anything. And if I'm going to get oh, really? involved, yeah. Because – and actually, I have found that YouTube TV is not too far behind. Um, and I, I, But it is. It's still behind. Like, the other day, for example, and this wasn't a bet, but I had – so I had the under in the, the game two for Philly and Toronto – and I'm sitting here sweating it out. And what I like to do, when I'm, especially when I bet unders, is I'll have a, a website up like DraftKings or something to keep track of the in-game total to give you an idea of where I'm at with my actual bet. Um, and I'm like two buckets behind. Like I'm sitting here watching and I'm like, oh, they're going to hit a three here. And then like Tyrese Maxey would come down and like drain a three 30 seconds later. And it's, it's crazy too because as Adam said, so I have YouTube TV. I'll put the same channel on two TVs right next to each other. The one on the left will be like five seconds behind and the one on the right. It just depends on the stream that you got connected to. You think Apple's going to be bad for us? I think could it be worse than Directv. It could be, and I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I think it could probably be a problem if you're talking about just from in-game. How far you're going to be behind, or you're talking about just like quality of broadcast price as well? Well, availability. That's, like I, I see how much is. I, I mean, how I started much yelling. I, I started yelling yesterday. I have no idea what Directv. What Sunday ticket is. I, I, oh, I thought you had it. No, I haven't had it in oh, five okay. years. Um, but I started seeing people the other day, and I, I kind of yelled about this yesterday. So I'll get your reaction. Uh, people are kind of asking to go a la carte on Sunday ticket. I'm like, I don't do that. No. Because a la carte sucks. Yeah. We've had, you know, since I cut the cord, it was like, yeah, hey, I want a la carte. Now I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, I'm paying through the nose. For a lot of different Everything's stuff. separate now. Yep. It's close. And, and like, yeah, I, I would say that too. I mean, I think personally, it is cool to an extent, like as somebody who has never had direct TV in his life, Right, the ability to potentially now get it is there, but also at the same time, out here in Las Vegas, a lot of us are different. Like, if there's a likelihood that if you're out here in Las Vegas, you have an interest in purchasing DirecTV, you also have an interest in going to a sports book on a Sunday mm-hmm. and going to do that. So, like, there's no real need for anybody out here to and that's, do that's it. That's why they needed Sunday ticket. Although, yeah. when when you do the numbers and you're like, well, whatever it is, you know, three hundred or three hundred fifty bucks, I spend a lot more than that watching football games at bars, like, a lot more. Well, that's why, you know, and I like going to the Westgate on Sundays and doing that and watching them there. But you're right. Like, my tradition on Sundays, and I would love to see because I don't keep track of it, watch the morning games at the Westgate, and then me and my wife go down to either Steiner's or something else every Sunday, watch the afternoon games together, and probably spend a lot of money doing that. So Von Tobel's here for another hour. Uh, he's a company today. He yes. works at VSIN every day, Monday to Friday. You can hear a show at 1 o'clock. You made a really interesting point um, in reaction to something I just said during the break a couple minutes ago. I want to play a lot of the overs on these hyped-up quarterbacks in the draft. And your reaction was like, well, where are you going to play them? Yeah, where? So what's going on with Vegas Sportsbooks? They're not posting this stuff until very late? There are a few. Like, so Boyd has some stuff up. William Hill put up a lot of stuff a couple of days ago as well. Stations has done a good job putting uh, things up on the board. Uh, but there has been a very clear hesitancy by books out here in Las Vegas. Why, because the draft is here? Are they afraid? Because the, the inf- it's an information-based event. 
And so what that means is that you as a better for the one time out of the 365 days a year are on even ground with odds makers. Uh, and you saw that last year was not very good. Was, Cir- was it last year when Circa posted like 90 players? Oh, yeah. They posted yep. a ton. Maybe it was they, a 90. They did maybe a great like job. 50. And yep. Derek Stevens told us down uh, at, uh, I forgot what we were doing on the live show that day. Um, probably the D. We were at the D. And he's like, this could be a bloodbath. Yeah. Because a, lo- a lot of the numbers had moved a lot. I've spoken to, I've heard from multiple makers and people work behind the counter that if they could, they wouldn't put it up, you know? But yeah. you can't really do that. Uh, and I just, it does kind of stink. I mean, my personal thought is, like I said, you rake betters over the coals every single day, but one should probably put them up. 45-31, eight minutes left in the first half. Nets are up big and Kyrie Irving is off to a great start in the face of that nasty Boston crowd.